There's no getting around the fact that certain themes are relentlessly presented here at Christ Church, certain themes that lie at the heart of what we profess. Different churches might focus on slightly different aspects of the Christian tradition, but just around the bend of nearly every theological topic we could discuss lies the great progenitor theme of love. And as Christ Church folks know, that's at the heart of our mission here. We seek to love God above all things and our neighbors as ourselves. Love is the active verb there. Well, some Christians seem to manage it. You have to try pretty hard to not have that as your first principle especially after hearing Jesus say on the night of his arrest that his foundational commandment is for his friends and followers to love as he loves. In our recent Sunday readings, that that theme has been rung loud and clear. God is love, we read last week. Love as I love, we hear this week. And love gets a lot of play in our culture, of course, but there's a whole lot of confusion about it. Given that the word love is one of the most overused and least understood words in the English language, it might not be a bad idea to give some attention to the status of your loving over these next few minutes. We use the word love to refer to a whole host of widely disparate feelings, emotions, and relationships. We say we fall in love when we have a strong physical, sexual attraction for another person. But then, too, if you're a car enthusiast, you might say, I just love my vintage Corvette. If you have a family pet, you you will likely report you love your dog or cat, full member of the family. If chocolate is a favorite, your friends will hear how you love it. Gotta have it. Sexual relations are described as making love. We speak of brotherly and sister love, love between friends, love of money, love of oneself, and so on. The Greeks had four words for love referencing affection, friendship, eros, and charity, that we have only one word that generally covers these topics, doesn't help, seems to me that we could benefit from pulling these ideas apart to discern what we're actually addressing when we use the word in here. What are we talking about anyway? A whole lot gets labeled as love that has nothing whatsoever to do with it, of course. Sometimes it's saddled with masking abusive behavior or self-serving manipulative behavior. I can't tell you how many times I've had people in my office talking about destructive relationships that are under the masquerade of so-called love. Sometimes sexual exploitation is presented as love. I know from my work that authentic love can seem complicated, confusing, and very elusive for people. 
And then there's the widespread cultural assumption that love ought to be easy, simple as one, two, three. Experience teaches something else, but this fantasy dies hard, and some will consistently behave as though it should be easy, so that anything which borders on the difficult sends them bouncing from one person, one friendship, even one church to another, never giving themselves permission to do the work of love. Missing the payoff of warm feelings and easy times, we can believe love is in a very short supply in our world, resisting, resisting to learn the truth that love exists wherever and whenever we will it to exist. Because love is as love does. That's the simple point I want to make today. And man, oh man, is this a difficult thing for us to get. Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You'll note that he did not say, love was a warm feeling, as in, go forth and feel warmly toward people. The example he gave was laying down one's life for another. Not a feeling, not even a desire, really. Instead, the will to act. The desire to love is not the same thing as the will to love. The distinction becomes clear when we compare the sentences, I desire to go swimming, with I will go swimming. The second implies intention and action. Simply desiring to love, while often a precursor to the real thing, does not, cannot replace real love. This is a very common misunderstanding. We think that if we desire to love, well, I must already be loving, and that is not true. That's because love is as love does. Love is active, not passive. Whenever we choose and then act for the good of another, we are involved in the work of love. Through quiet tears, Mary told me about another failed relationship. Now in her mid-forties and nearly desperate to find the right partner, she questioned whether it would ever happen. And by the way, Mary is a composite person here. I've had numerous conversations with people who could substitute for Mary. She had always believed there was one person who was her true soulmate. Most of her serious relationships started out well enough, but at some point each fell flat. There always came that day when she awakened to the feeling she was no longer in love. What was wrong with her? She asked me. And I said I had no idea if anything was wrong with her. But here's what I did know. I knew that if she ever were to find her true soulmate, so-called, there would come inevitably the day she would roll over in bed and look at the person lying next to her and think to herself, what on earth am I doing here? And then 
would come her opportunity to discover what love was more nearly about, because at that moment she would have to choose to love or not. Though we are allergic to this truth, love really has a lot to do with choice. We would rather think of it as something that sort of happens to us than as something that is created by us. I think this allergy helps explain why there seems to be so little of it in our world and how easy it is to lose. Love is as love does. The desire to love is not the same thing as love. The test comes when examining what one actually does. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. There is no other statement, no other teaching in the Bible that's any clearer than this. If you were to summarize in a single sentence the primary teaching of Jesus, this is it. He gave this on the day of his last supper with his friends. He was summarizing his teaching and his life and his intention. And if someone then questioned what you meant by love, you could respond that it moves along a continuum that ends with this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for another. Now, in the ultimate sense, the very most I can do for another is to hand over my life. That's the model Jesus presents, isn't it? On a daily basis, we aren't usually called upon to give up our physical lives. But if we're intent upon really loving, I mean truly loving, then we will live with the will to extend ourselves for others. The promise that comes with our faith is that the more we give ourselves in love, the more our own lives become transformed by love. And at the end, death itself is swallowed up by love. But be clear. This sort of love has no tangible reality unless it is acted out in the world. When Tertullian, a Christian convert who became a prominent theologian of the second century, declared, see how the Christians love one another, he was not referring to expressions of warm desires and feelings between them as though they frequently exchanged lovely Hallmark cards. He's referring to how they acted, what they did, what the content of their lives revealed. They put themselves out on the line, their possessions, their commitments, their lives. They extended themselves to others. People saw it and witnessed it. It was astonishingly attractive behavior. They acted in love because love is as love does. There's no higher calling for the living of our days. To love authentically requires one to be a risk-taker. To love at all is to be vulnerable. One cannot love and simultaneously maintain a controlled and steely existence or an existence in flagrant disregard for others. The best example the best example of the sort of love we read, sing, and speak about in here comes in the life of a man who said, love one another as I have loved you, 
who was then summarily betrayed, arrested, and left for dead by the very ones to whom he had been addressing himself. Love is I love. And they fled, ran away, and killed him. That's the prescriptive example of love that we're given in the biblical text. That was God's definition. The miracle, the thing we celebrate in the Easter season, is that this sort of love ultimately triumphs in the world. As the first letter of John says it, for the love of God is this, that whatever is born of God conquers the world. That's an astonishing statement. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Wow. Love is as love does. There are so many things to be done that range from feeding a hungry person to listening to a friend's turmoil, asking forgiveness of a co-worker, spending time with children, giving generously, extravagantly of material resources, learning how to build lasting, committed relationships, working for justice for all peoples. To actively love is a radical, intentional way of living in the world, and I think the most radical way there is. To actively love is a life stance, a way of orienting ourselves in the world. To love authentically stakes a claim on what matters most in this life. And it runs counter to so much of what we experience day to day out there. We're a little band of rebels if we're lovers. You see? We're a little band of rebels. And it presents a daunting, inspiring challenge. Thank God we have one another. Thank God we have the rock-solid, sustaining model in Jesus and his abiding presence. Thank God for love. Love.